Well, awesome. Welcome again. Uh, my name is Lauren. I serve as a campus pastor here alongside with my wife. And man, I'm just excited for this season of Project Church. I just sense God's doing something. And I'm excited just to say that I'm praising God for the things I've been praying for. I told our team that this morning, that I'm, I've been praising God because I see the prayer answered. And often, I don't know about you, but you pray for something, and then you don't remember that when God answers the prayer, that you praise God for it. So I want to just let you know that's the season I'm in right now. I'm praising God because I'm seeing God's hand, and He is faithful. Uh, this isn't related to my message today. It is, but... I, it wasn't planned. I just want to let you know that God's faithful. God is so faithful. He never will fail you, and his promises are true today. And um, I'm praising God. So will you praise God with me? Come on, make some noise, church. God, you are good. God, you are good. Amen. Actually, I want to do something. We're, we're closing out this series in, in this uh, chapter 4 of Philippians. We've been going through it. Uh, it's a great series that we've been in, the great passage would you all stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? We're going old school today. Stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. It's only two verses, so you don't have to stand very long. This is what it says. It says, and my God, say my God, will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's powerful words. And then verse 20 says this, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me, church. Jesus, I pray that this word, as simple as it is, would speak to our hearts. I pray that some came in here with walls put up. I pray that some came in here with anxiety on their shoulders would be set free today. Just by the power of your word, God, we just give you freedom to speak to us. And we say, hey, we want to hear from you, God. So let me humble myself. Let me get out of the way and I pray that I would just be a vessel, that you would speak through me, and it wouldn't be my strength, it wouldn't be my words, but it'd be yours today, Jesus. We want to hear from you today. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. High five your neighbor before you sit down and say, you ready for this? And then you get to have a seat. So, so uh, again, I'm excited about this series. It's been really fun. Um, and... And I want to start with this question. Uh, have you been worried lately? What, you been, what have you been worried about lately? I want to tell you that uh, most stressed I've been ever in my life was not the day I got married. I was actually the, as cool as a cucumber the day I got married. I was, I was chill, man. I was excited, and there was not an ounce of stress in my body. I was just excited for the day. But the day I proposed... There was this knot in my gut, and, and I could not get rid of it. I was, and I remember, it was actually the day before I proposed. I planned this elaborate day, and all I told my, my wife was, hey, just get ready. I'm picking you up at 5 in the morning, and she just kind of looked like, okay. I had this amazing day planned, and all I told her was that, and I remember the day before I was, I was sitting at my computer planning some things out, and I realized, like, man, my stomach kind of hurts. And I remember going to In-N-Out Burger and eating, and I'm like, okay, that should solve it. I, maybe I was just hungry. And after I ate, my stomach was still in a knot. 
Like it had this feeling, I've never experienced this feeling like I, I did then, and I realized, whoa, that wasn't just hunger. I am overwhelmed with anxiety about this day because the pressure was so big, I realized this is the biggest decision of my life. I'm about to tell another human being that I want to spend the rest of my life, that I'm going to commit myself to her for the rest of my life. That is a big deal. I want you to let you know I was not nervous about what she was going to say, okay? That wasn't, that wasn't it. It was all about this is such a weighty thing. And I remember I was like, I don't like this. And once we got past that, once I finally got down on the knee, that's why we, we at 5 a.m. was because of a hot air balloon ride. You have to be down there early. Hot air balloon ride was canceled due to weather. And then, we, and then I took her on a ferry boat ride across, the, across San Francisco, went, had a blast there, went back into the woods. And I was up in Muir Woods, this beautiful area, and I was hiking in this random spot. And I finally found a good spot, and I got down on one knee. And I told her, baby, I don't know if I said it like that, but I said, I can't imagine spending my life with anybody else but you. Where are you at, babe? You in here? She's, she's probably doing, oh, she's right there. I said, baby, I can't imagine doing life with anybody but you. I want to grow old with you. And I sang her a song. I, just, I didn't see that. That would have been bad. And I kid you not, I asked her the question. I pulled out the ring, and she was like, how did you know that? How, how, where was the ring this entire day? Because I was like, 14 hours since the day started. It was like sun was going down. And I asked her the question. I said, will you marry me? And there was a solid, this is not exaggeration, a solid 60 seconds with no response. Me just sitting down on one knee, a solid 60 seconds. Pastors exaggerate. There is no exaggeration there. Uh, because she was overwhelmed, not because she was thinking about it, but there may have been some tears. I don't want to put her on blast, but there may have been tears coming down her face because she was overwhelmed with joy, and she finally got the words out and said, yes, and I'm so thankful you did, baby. I love you. So that was the most stressful day of my life. Um, and, but after that, it was, it was stress, 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 with this huge release of stress and this huge joy that overwhelmed the stress and took the place of that stress. And my prayer today is, is that happens for you, not as relate, maybe you, maybe you are going to propose today. I don't know, but not in the relation, not as it relates to that, but specifically as we're talking about uh, generosity and we're talking about we're talking about money. Man, church, uh, a lot of people say, man, all the church does is talk about money, but I believe that we have a calling to do that because the Bible talks about it a lot, and I believe this is the biggest area of stress in most people's lives. It just is. It's the biggest area of worry. Another word that, that is described in Scripture for worry is anxiety. And we have this anxiety that is built up. And I believe this is, this is the word that I just felt compelled to share with you today. And I believe that there are going to be walls that are being torn down as a result of this. That, that some of us are carrying this load of anxiety just like I was. That we're carrying this load of stress. We're carrying this load of worry as it relates to finances. And I believe some people today just need to be set free from that. Because, because we need to trust God's word. And this is what God's word says. As he will supply every need according to his riches and glory. So many of us, hear me with this, are worried and stressed and anxious about something that has already been promised to you. We're worried about something that's already been taken care of. He's already said, I'll take care of your need. 
He's already said, I will supply your needs. But what is the biggest stress in our life is, am I going to make rent? Am I going to have food on the table? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Is it, as it relates to finances, we're saying, what, I'm having this stress. So what is the missing factor? The missing factor is, are we trusting God's promises? He has promised us. He is a faithful God. He keeps his promises. It is outside of his character to break a promise. It is impossible for him to break a promise. He just can't do it. It's, that's the only thing he can't do. He can do all things, but he can't break a promise because it's outside of his character. And I want to encourage someone today that just has been overwhelmed with stress. And I feel God put this on our heart. We plan our series out months in advance, but even in advance, God put this in our heart as a church, to pray, to, as Chrissy's speaking downtown, and to, to share with you all today that we need to trust that God's promises is true, and specifically this one, that he's going to supply your needs. He's going to take care of it. I want to, I want to show you another scripture, Matthew chapter 6, one of my favorites. Um, verse 20, starting in verse 25, Jesus is delivering the Sermon on the Mount, and he challenges us in a specific way that I want to give to you as well. And this challenge, it starts off really, really in your face. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't do it. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about what, or your body. And the, and the more what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he says, hey, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And I love this question. He says, Jesus says to them, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Great point. And why, or why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will not more, more clothe you. O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then he says these words. He says, okay, so what do you do with this? What do you do? He says, don't, don't worry about it, but what do you do instead of worrying? I don't know about you, but I want to have something to replace that emotion, to replace that action. If I'm not going to worry, then what do I do? Just don't do it? No, he actually gives you a step. He actually gives you an action point to replace the worry. Instead of worrying, what do you do? He says, to seek first the kingdom of God. He says, man, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on the kingdom. Put your eyes on his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's going to take care of all of your needs. It reemphasizes what Paul said to the Philippian church and said, hey, I'm going to supply all your needs. My God, Paul says to the Philippians, will supply all the needs that you have. He's going to do it according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's going to be to the praise. That's going to be to the glory of our Father forever and ever, and he's not going to stop. It just keeps going ever and ever and ever, and he will never break that promise. He hasn't done it in this span of eternity, and he's not going to start with you. Many of us are worried about something that's already been promised to us. So are you, looking at that, that question, he says, are you not more valuable than the birds? 
Because if we're worrying about what we're going to eat, if we're worrying about what we're going to wear, if we're worrying about how we're going to pay the bills, and I understand there's a, there's a side to, yes, you need to be good stewards, you need to plan, and we are all about that. So don't interpret this wrong, that you need to be reckless with your finances, that God will take care of you. No, he, he asks us to be good stewards, but he didn't ask us to worry. He asked us not to do. He specifically said, don't do that. So today I want to say what Jesus said, and don't do that. Someone needs to hear that today. You're worrying. Don't do that. Knock it off and replace that with seeking God. Replace that with saying, God, I'm going to put you first. When you recognize God will supply all your need, there's no room for anxiety. When you're seeking first the kingdom of God, there's no room for anxiety. That leaves no place for anxiety. When you're trusting that his promises are true, when you're trusting that says, God, I actually believe this word. I believe that this promise is for me today that you will supply my needs. And that every time you've done it, every time you will continue to do it. And I'm just going to continue to believe that. And when you do that, there's no room for anxiety. So today, again, I, I believe that there's going to be walls torn down in your life. Metaphorical walls that are being torn down that, that are walls of anxiety, walls of stress, and wall, walls of, of worry. And I believe some of us that walked in with that weight is going to be lifted in Jesus' name through the power of his word. So here's the context. I want, I want to look at just a few things that I notice about this verse and um, kind of just expose scripture in a deeper way. And then I wanted, I'm going to just pray for you. And I believe, I believe that is going to happen. Walls will be t- torn down. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. So it's a new church. And what was very interesting, I love this letter because this is the only letter that doesn't really have any correction. Almost every single letter that Paul writes, especially to the church in Corinth, he was just saying like, hey, you guys are really screwing up. He's saying, don't do this, don't do this, and just knock that off. He was just consistently being like, you guys are screwing this all up. But it's so interesting with the church of Philippi, he says, I'm going to take notice and I'm going to, I'm going to actually praise you. The majority of it is just saying, thanks. The majority of saying, like, hey, keep that up. And this thing that you're doing, this thing how you're giving back to God, the thing how you've been supportive of me, it means so much to me. It means the world to me. And that's God providing for my needs. But I want to tell you, as you give, God's actually going to supply all your needs. And, and I think I take notice of this. And as I think about it, like, this was the only church that there wasn't really correction in, but more praise. And then I look at that and say, I want to be like the church in Philippi. I want to be like those people that, that just had the mindset of, of selflessness, that put others before their own, that have the mindset of generosity, that said, no, God's doing something here, and we're going to invest in that. God's doing something, I don't want to get behind it. I want to be generous because God's gifts are to throw, flow through us. And so I want to just notice, note a few things on here real quick. And then I'm going to pray for us. So here's the first thing I notice. And actually, uh, in verse 20, I I picked the second verse to start with. Um, And verse 20 just says that. It says, hey, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever and ever in Jesus. Amen. And what I, what I take from that is, man, he's, he's kind of wrapping up the entire letter right there. It's, there's only a few more verses after this in the entire book. And he's just saying, like, look, this is all to God's glory. So my challenge with that is that you will praise God 
continually. I heard a, que- I heard a, uh, a question, a challenging question the other day that said, if you only woke up with what you praised God for the day before, what would you have? It would, think about it. If you only had what you praised God for the previous day, what would you have in your life? And it's, it's a rhetorical question to make you realize that there's a lot to be thankful for. As a church, we're supposed to cultivate a mindset of, of praise, a mindset of thankfulness. Every day as I look in, as, as we get into church, I'm not looking at the empty seats. I'm not looking at like, hey, we could have more people in here. I, I, I think that and I, and I pray for that. But what I focus on is I'm thinking, look at every single one of you amazing people. Look at every single person. I, I say, look at all the people serving on teams. Look at all the people that are, that are being generous. Look at all the people that are plugged into community groups. And I'm praising God for what's God doing in our church. And every day as I come home, I'm not saying, man, I'm envying what I don't have. I don't go home to, to my house and say, man, this house is a dump. Man, we could have so much better. But I praise God for what I have. I praise God for my family. I praise God for a roof over my head. I praise God for a car that works. I don't envy a Tesla because I don't have a Tesla. But I praise God for my Toyota Sienna because it gets my family and I to A and B. And so I, I, I wanted to start with that as that simple act of, are you praising God on a regular basis? First Thessalonians 5. Um, challenges in this way. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in most circumstances. You know, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, every season of your life. You're like, I don't got anything to praise God for. Yes, you do. Find it. You got a roof over your head. Praise God for it. You have breath in your lungs. Praise God for it. Because scripture says every good gift is from him. And so that breath in your lungs is a gift from God. Every breath, you're saying, God, you are good, and I want to praise God for it. Let's develop a mindset of of praise continually, of thankfulness continually. Second thing is this, is we're supposed to give as he supplies us. See, we're always supposed to take the scripture in the full context, not just these two verses. But as we've been going through the series, we we remember that the Philippian church were the only ones who supported Paul when he started. They were doing it before it was cool. And, and so he goes from, Paul goes in, in order. He says, hey, thank you so much for giving. And then he says, but God will supply all your needs. Thank you so much for giving, but God will supply all your needs. Thank you so much for giving, but God will supply all your needs. Do you see the connection there? I want to challenge you to give as God supplies. Give out of generous, generosity as God supplies. He calls us to do that. Uh, how many of y'all took your kids trick-or-treating? This past week is a blast. You had trick-or-treaters at the door, and you see all these weird costumes, and it's, it's a blast. Uh, it's fun. Um, it could be on the edge. Don't get me wrong. There's some stuff that's not so kosher that goes on, but we, we redeem it for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so my kids went out, and this was, uh, we kind of did it last year, but this time we, like, really did it uh, with our three girls and some neighbors as well. And what was funny is we, we live in a neighborhood where kids will come to our house too. But first we went out. And, cause we, and then halfway as we were going out getting candy from people, we realized we didn't bring candy for ourselves. I mean, we didn't, give can, we didn't buy candy to give out. And we're like, uh-oh. And then we got home and some people were just like giving, just because like, especially my one and a half year old, she's just so cute. She was Moana, or as she calls it, nah. That's... I, one, one and a half year olds are just so cute. 
And uh, she went out, and she, they, they just kept on giving her candy and candy. And our neighbor girl, who's also the same age, just kept on reaching in the bucket. And they were, she's two years old. They wouldn't stop her. She just was like, okay, this is how this works. And she just grabbed the bucket, goes back for some more. Goes, so she was just uh, naming it and claiming it. But um, we came back, and we had all this candy, and then we turned our light on. And, we, and then our girls amazed me, and I loved the generosity that they had. They gave out of what they had already been, they just got. They just received all this candy from others, and they were more excited to give it than they were to get it. They were out there with the door. They'd jump up with their bag, and they would be like, just take what you want. They were so excited for these other kids to come up, and they actually just got it from other people's houses, but they were so excited to give it just as they got it. And what I want to tell you is that blessings, the things God gives you, they're not supposed to flow just to you. God's blessings are supposed to flow through you. So we're supposed to give as he supplies. We're supposed to give as he pours out those blessings in our life. We're supposed to give as he gives to you. Blessings are not supposed to just flow to you. They're not supposed to stop on you. But we're designed, God's design for us is to see the, the joy in giving and to see that God's blessing is giving you. It's actually supposed to be even a bigger blessing when you give it to someone else. So I want to encourage you that the church in Philippi was realizing something and that something is that God, is, it's a bigger blessing to give and that as we receive, as he supplies, as he's supplying every need, we're called to give, to be generous the last thing is this, is to redefine your needs. He says, God will supply, my God will supply all your needs. He didn't say wants, did he? And I felt like sharing this with you is that some of us have been upset with God. Some of us have been mad at God because he's not meeting our wants. He's, we're not meeting our want, he's not meeting our wants, and so we become upset and say, God, I thought you promised that you would do this. But God never said he would meet our wants. He would supply every one of our, night, our wants, but he says, I will supply all of your needs. And I want to encourage someone today to redefine your needs, to realign your needs with what, what, what that word means and what Jesus implied when he said that, or when Paul said that, he said, we supply all your needs. And as Jesus shared in Matthew 6 that we read, he says, hey, I'm going to take care of your food and your clothing. What are you worried about? Stop worrying about it. And some of us have been putting our, these desires, these wants in the needs category. And you need to be set free from that. Because I've seen people leave their faith, leave the church and leave their faith as a result. They're upset at God because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's just poor theology. The, the only reason we could be upset with God in that area is if God's not failing, but we have a poor theology and a poor understanding of what he means when he says, supply all our needs. In, in uh, college, I remember hearing this thing called the Maslow's, it's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And I want to go through that. It's this, uh, over 100 years ago, they, they came up with um, this guy came up with this, like, what do, our, what do our needs really mean? And what are the priority of that? There's a hierarchy of needs. And I want to go through that real quick. I believe we have a slide. The first thing is our physical needs or our physiological needs. And that means you need, you need air. You need food. You need warmth. And you need water. And Jesus said that 
who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. I want to tell you that Jesus will take care of your needs according to this, this hierarchy that is taught in all colleges across the country. And then the second thing is this, is he safety needs. I don't know, look, look at scripture. Psalm 16 says, I set the Lord always before me, but he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. He is your security. We can run to him and he is your security. He meets the security need in our life or the safety need in our life. The next thing, he meets the belongingness and the love needs. And I love, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And some of us just need to like see these things and realize how he does supply our, all of our needs. He said, scripture says, God sets the lonely in families. He, because of his power, he, he sets us in families and, it, and he provides that, that love need that we have, that belongingness needs that we have. The, the next thing up, and these are in order of how, how much we need them, of self-esteem needs. And if you ever need self-esteem, you realize who created you. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You realize that God had purpose when you, in you? There's no room for low self-esteem when you understand that truth. The last thing is this, is self-actualization. This has to do with your goals, your potential. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. See, God, you realize, according to Scripture and according to, to this, uh, this hierarchy of needs, that he does meet all your needs. But you notice on that list is not all the wants that we have. So some of us, we, we need to ask in faith, and I'm not saying that God won't supply those wants, but not every single one of those wants. We need to realign our theology, our understanding of what needs means. And, and I believe there's freedom in that, too. And letting go and saying, God, I'm going to still pray for that. I'm going to still pray for all these things as they line up with, with your word, as they line up with God's will. But understand that God said needs and not wants. And uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, he says, I already know your needs. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So he knows your needs, but he wants us to ask him. He wants us to call out to him. He wants us to rely on him. Realign your, your wants with what God wants, but understand that he meets your needs. The last thing I want to I share, share with you all today is that God doesn't owe you anything. And that may sound a little weird, may sound a little off-putting, but God doesn't owe you anything. But he doesn't do this, he doesn't give to you out of a place of debt. He doesn't give to you out of place of obligation. But what does he do? He gives to you out of grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to us. We don't deserve the love that we have from him, but he gives it to us. What does scripture say in the passage we all know? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. See, it was out of love and it was out of grace. It wasn't something that we deserve because we actually deserve death. We actually deserve the consequence of sin is death, and we, that's what we deserve, but he took our place. And just as he took our place on the cross and, and, and decides to say, I'm going to give my life as a ransom, he's going to, and out of grace, he's going to give to you out of grace. He supplies your needs out of grace, not because he owes us anything. See, we have this, 
this entitled mentality and say, man, God owes me. God's going to take care of me. And yes, we have the mindset that, yes, God will supply all of our needs, but he's doing it out of a place of grace. And just out of that same grace is, how, is what he did on the cross. Man, he didn't owe that to us. For God so loved the world that he took, a, took our place on the cross, that he sent his son so to die a painful death for our place, for our sins, to cover all of our sins, and that we could have eternal life. That's what we're called to do, or that's, that's, what, he, that's what we're called to receive. That's, that's what he's promised us. And it's a promise, like I said, it's a promise not out of obligation, not because we need it, not because God says, oh man, I owe this to you, but God loves you so much. Some of us need to understand that God loves you so much that he's gonna take care of you more than the birds. He's gonna take care of your, your bodies more than the flowers. God is going to take care of you and that's a promise you can take to the bank. That's a promise that will stick with you and that's a promise that if you hold tight to it, that worry that you carry, came in here with will be gone. That if you truly trust and believe, that you say, God, I believe this passage is here, the word of God says it, really simple. God will supply every need and you're gonna say, I'm gonna believe that. There's a freedom that comes from that. And I wanna pray for you today. Some of us have been, have been thinking about that and realizing you do have a lot of worry built up in your heart. You, you realize you don't have a lot of stress and anxiety as it relates to God providing, as it relates to just all your provisions. And I wanna, I wanna believe that God is gonna set some people free today. So, so would you just bow your heads with me?